Um, uh, as, as we get started, I'd like you to uh, go ahead and um, uh, open this on up. Again, these roadmaps are for you to use, and so everything that you see on the video is right here. And some people like to have it open while they're taking notes, and they'll write notes next to it because that helps them get a great overview of it. If nothing else, keeping it in their Bibles and then throughout their week, they like to open it up and kind of go back over the story again. And uh, it, it's, uh, uh, I find it, it's a great tool. And uh, we've heard some really, really good feedback. I, I also want to let you know that um, inside of your roadmap, uh, we have something in there that we're going to be giving you for the next six weeks. And it is um, a 40-day prayer guide. Um, uh, Rick shared with us a couple weeks ago that we were to um, be praying, praying, praying. That's what our, our consultant told us. That's the number one first thing. And so um, we've decided that, okay, let's do it. So for the next uh, six weeks, for 40 days, starting today, um, uh, this week of seven-day period, um, it's a focus on our elders, and so each day when you're praying, uh, please be praying for uh, your elders. We've listed their names on there for you. And um, uh, next week, we'll be praying for the staff. The following week, we'll be praying for the leaders who are involved in leadership uh, of different ministries. Uh, next week, we'll be praying, after that, we'll be praying for uh, our whole church. Next week, we'll be praying for our future uh, teaching pastor. And then the next week after that, we're going to be praying for our community. So, please get familiar with this. We are only as strong as we are praying. And so, uh, I, I'd like to start us off, because the first day starts on Sunday, so that's the first thing you can follow along with me, um, praying about obeying the greatest commandment. Matthew 6.33, as well as what's written there, uh, Deuteronomy 6.5. It says, pray that our elders will love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And pray that God's spirit will work in their hearts and that they will value and follow biblical priorities. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 is, is written right there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray this and lift this up to you this morning. We lift up our elders and thank you, Lord, that you have placed each of those men in this position for this time. May you uh, just, Lord, empower them to stay focused on you and to be able to love you above all else. And so we thank you for uh, the fact that you listen and hear our prayers. And this week, Father, our, our prayers go up for our elders. And we thank you for them. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Um, today's message is entitled, uh, A Love Story, Real, Tragic, and True. And um, uh, you know, the, the last two times I... I preached. I didn't have uh, any slides for you. Well, that changes today, folks. So get ready to uh, have your uh, pens ready 
and getting going. Actually, it's not as intimidating as it looks. It's just uh, I don't know how to do my slides and my notes so that they can be a little more condensed. And so it's just uh, that's how my notes are. But uh, go ahead and open up to the book of Hosea. doesn't matter if you open it up in your own Bible or if you're going to open it up in anything electronic. Um, just get to the book of Hosea. It's in the Old Testament, and uh, it's the very next prophet that we're preaching on. Rick did an incredible job of, of sharing with us for the past two weeks on Isaiah and unpacking. Uh, again, you can never unpack fully everything that's on in there when you only have one or two weeks to try and do an entire book. But um, he got us started on our, our, our prophets and, and Isaiah, one of the major prophets. And now if you look over at our banner over here, minor prophets to my far right, Hosea is right at the top of the list. And uh, next week there will be in Joel and the following week Amos. We're going to be in the prophets for a while, folks. So get used to them, Okay. Uh, great stuff for us to learn. Uh, to get started off, I, I wanted to share with you something I read. I thought it was kind of funny. Little Emily was at her very first wedding, and she gaped at the entire ceremony. And when it was over, she asked her mother, uh, why did the lady change her mind? And her mother, her mother asked, well, well, what do you mean? And little Emily said, well, she went down the aisle with one man, but she came back with another. So, I mean, the inquisitive little minds, right? I mean, it's kind of like, huh, that's pretty good insight for, for a little one. And uh, I can't help but think that that's a, a great way uh, for us to kind of think about this book. Because... Um, I'm going to be diving on into the, the love story of God and his people as it is reflected through the love story of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. Gomer married Hosea, kind of walked down the aisle with one guy, and we're told... Uh, she walked back with many more. The people of Israel walked down the aisle with the Lord God, and yet they walked back with many different gods. And so we're gonna, I'm going to try to unpack this for us and uh, hope that I don't go too fast or that I'm not too repetitive or, or anything like that. But um, I just want to make sure that w we take a look at this incredible love story that was just very real. I believe tragic, but also very true. Um, Abraham Herschel, who is somebody that I, I just got this book um, this week. Uh, um, he's not a believer. He is a, an incredible Jewish scholar, and um, he's passed away for, for a, a few decades, but he has incredible insight. And so Heschel, I might have said Herschel, Heschel um, says this. He says, Hosea came to spell out the astonishing fact of God's love for man. 
God is not only the Lord who demands justice, he is also a God who is in love with his people. And I want to make sure we understand that because as we go through the prophets, there's going to be times where you're going to think, man, these guys were just ticked. God was just really mad. And, and it's all about, you know, oh, you step out of line, I'm going to get you. I don't know about you, but I, I used to kind of carry those thoughts and feelings with me. It's like, man, if I just stepped out of line a little, bam, God was just waiting to get me, right? This God of vengeance, this God of wrath, this God is just like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, punk, make my day, right? And yet, Heschel reminds us that this is about a God who is in love, who is in love with his people. And I, I, I don't want us to forget that because it can be easy to possibly forget that, particularly if you've read through the book of Hosea, if you're going to read through the book of Hosea this week because maybe your interests are, are peaked and you didn't get to that uh, when you were going through your reading program, I'm just telling you, uh, it, it, it's about God's love story. Don't miss that. If, if you miss everything else, don't, don't miss that. God's love for man and a God who is in love with his people. Now, uh, outlining this book is extremely difficult. Okay, I mean, really, really difficult. The, the book swiftly plunges into a maze of warnings, micro-sermons, poems, laments, and, and through them all, it swiftly and elusively, uh, uh, or evasively, I should say, alludes um, to biblical texts and incidents, and it mixes metaphors throughout this book, and, and it changes topics seemingly at random. So I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I like to kind of read, and, and I'm more of a guy who likes, oh, I like, I like some order. I'm not an orderly guy. That's why I like order. I like to see the progressions. I like to see whether it's a time frame or, or something like that. I just like a, a thought, how it progresses. You're not going to get that in Hosea. I mean, it's really all over the place. It really is. But um, since I was trying to focus in on basically the, the first three chapters in, in here, um, I, I came across somebody who, uh, uh, he, he found a, 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 chi a chiasm or a chiasmus. And, and, and that's after the, the letter chi in Greek, and that's an X. And, and so uh, I'll, I'll get to that, how you'll understand that in a second. But, you know, if you just go on gotquestions.org, which I, I, I just did that, and, and you could go there for all kinds of questions. Okay, great, great biblical questions, and, and, and you'll get some really solid counsel. Um, they said uh, 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 a chiasm is a structure where A, B, B, A refers to Two ideas, that's A is one idea, B is another idea, and then they're repeated in a reverse order, okay? So uh, I, I, just stay with me, and, and I think you're going to follow along with this. So here's an example. This isn't a biblical example. This is just an example that hopefully most of you are familiar with. So in this example, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, 
Now, depending on who you believe, either uh, Joseph Kennedy, the father uh, of John F. Kennedy, said this, or Newt Rockney, the famous football coach, said this. Uh, I've seen it always with Newt Rockney, so that's why I attribute it to him. Okay? And, and you know, kind of there, when you're going against tough boys, the tough get going. Right? It's just kind of like, Ugh. And so when you can see that, the going, that's one thought. And then gets tough, that's that B. Then you can see on there, then it reverses. Then the tough get going. That's an example of, of what a chiasmus is. Okay? Uh, or, or, or how about this one? Um, also, hopefully, very familiar with you. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Okay? Benjamin Franklin. Okay? You can see that pattern, right? It's kind of easy with, with these ones. Well, now, let me give you some biblical examples. Um, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. Jesus was speaking, and he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. All right? And, and then in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, Jesus again speaking. And, and he says, Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So those are some, uh, just a, a couple of very easy biblical examples uh, of a, a chiasm. Okay? And, and so it goes A, then B, then B, then A. And, and it's, it's called a chiasm because the letter X, it kind of shows how it goes like this and it goes like that. Now, I've just given you some examples where it's only A and B, but there are also uh, many, many more, and, and I, I don't have time to be able to share all of those with you, but there are many other biblical examples. And so if you want to take the time to look those on up, because in Joel chapter 3, and we're going to be in Joel next week, and so I, I doubt if I'm going to hit on this, but in verses 17 through 21, also in Ecclesiastes, in, in chapter 11, verses 3 through uh, chapter 12, verse 2. And then you can go on Amos, chapter 5, verses 4 through 6, and, and Isaiah, uh, chapters 21 through 26. So you could have this thing go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, you know, however many there are, and then there's a central point, and then it comes back repeating like that. There are many of those in Scripture. They're kind of fascinating. But we're not looking at those. I just wanted to be able to give that to you so that you, you could just kind of check that out. Now, Dr. Uh, Richard Patterson is who came up with this, and, and, and uh, I want to see if it makes sense to you because he was somebody that I, I came across as a Bible teacher, and I just thought, hey, he's the only guy who uh, seemed to be able to bring a little sense on in here when I told you Hosea is kind of all over the place. And so on his, he starts off, and it's a portrayal of unfaithful Israel. So let's keep that in mind as he's focusing in on, on the uh, chiasm that, that he is, is seeing within this passage. And so the very first part of chapter 1, starting at verse 2, all the way to chapter 3, verse 5, this is what he sees. He sees one A, I should say, 
A, so that I keep you going, the A, B, this kind of thing, is rejection. He sees a rejection, and, and, and that's symbolized in Hosea's marriage. There's rejection. And, and you can see that in chapter 1 and looking at verses 2 through 9. And then you can see uh, B is restoration. And in that restoration, that's on the basis of the covenant, basis of the old, old covenant that God had established with his people, even though they were like, ah, no, thanks for, for everything, God, but we're, we're kind of into these other gods. We're kind of into these other ones, Baal and Ashtoreth and Astarte. I think that's about, about correct how to say that, that other one. And, and there's many others. Right? But particularly the God Baal, because um, that was the God of fertility. And that was the God that, man, they would pray and they'd have temple uh, uh, prostitution for, because then all of a sudden, hey, God's going to make it rain and make the, the crops grow, and He's going to be producing seed bearing, and it's just going to be all great. And so the people kind of, hey, thanks, God, but we're kind of we're doing good with this. Now, some of them were still kind of dabbling with both. But we know commandment number one, right? They're violating that. But God still says, I'm going to do a restoration on the basis of the covenant that I made with you. And then he, Dr. Patterson finds this. He goes, now we get to see a key point that's central to what the writer is trying to emphasize. And I know I only gave you examples of A and B and then B and A, but here we go. Rebuke. And that's due to Israel's infidelity. There's a rebuke there. There has to be. He's a God of holiness. That doesn't mean he's a God just going, rah. He's just going, listen. My holiness, I, I, can't, I, I don't lower that standard. And so we come to a rebuke. But now, now we start to make our, our, our way backwards from, from this. And, and uh, so you've got, um, within that, there's B, uh, based on the covenant, and that's renewal. Whereas before you had restoration and renewal, but both of those are based on the covenants. And that's what we see in chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. And then uh, after that, we come back to an A. Uh, that's reconciliation. And that's symbolized by Hosea's marriage. And uh, I just want you to, to kind of stay there for a second. Just stay there for a second and, and look at that. So, symbolized in Hosea's marriage, there's rejection. And then we go on in, and, but based on the covenants, based on the covenant that God made with his people, he, he's like, there's restoration. I desire restoration. But because of Israel's infidelity, they cheated on God with another God. There's rebuke. And then, but then we come back, but there's, there's going to be renewal. Why? Because God made 
covenant with his people, and even though they break it, he doesn't. And even though he shares his emotions as far as his frustrations and even his anger, those things don't change his character and what he does. Don't you wish that was true of us? I mean, there's times I just feel like I'm so wishy-washy. I'm all over the place. One thing I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just so strong right here. And then it's like, oh, oh, but man, you know, I let my emotions go. Oh, and then maybe I'll change my mind. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll see something. I'll go, oh, but oh, why did I do that? I should have done that. You know, that's just me. But then here we go. Back to that, that thought again. Based on the covenant, God's going, no, but there's going to be renewal. And he spells that out in chapter 2, verses 14 through 23, to finally, there's a reconciliation. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Symbolized by Hosea's marriage and what happens between Hosea and Gomer. And so uh, um, I, I wanted to try to bring this a little more to life uh, uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe, he was a Bible teacher, a radio guy, and, and uh, with Moody, and, and he's taught in, in a lot of uh, uh, solid schools in the Midwest and back east. Um, he, he, in one of his books uh, on uh, the Minor Prophets, entitled Be Amazed, he, he uh, brought out some really good insights that, that I thought um, uh, were really profound, that I thought were worth sharing. And he says, one, uh, the three children teach us about the grace of God. You're going to say, oh, wait, wait, who, 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 what three children? Well, we're going to get to them. So if you have your Bible open, and uh, uh, we're going to get to the point where he says, of, starting in verse 4, and then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel. Before that, I'm sorry, verse 3. So he, that's Hosea, went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Notice that, bore him a son. We'll come back to that. And this is in verse 4. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will pour out, uh, put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel, and on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Man, th that, that first son who is born to uh, Hosea, where it's told it's his son, his name uh, means God scatters or God sows, depending on, on uh, how it's being used in the context there. And what's happening is God's giving instructions to Hosea. Man, I, 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 man, I, I cannot imagine being in his shoes. I cannot. He said, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go and uh, take yourself a wife of whoredom. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Jezreel. God scatters. And that's because that name, uh, God was putting an end to the, to the northern king's line. 
King Jehu, who did a, a despicable thing. He went above and beyond farther than what God wanted him to do when he annihilated all of Ahab's family and everything. And so it was like just so bloody and so horrible. And, and he stepped out of his bounds that God was like, no, that was wrong. That was wrong. And so he's reminding of that, Hosea of that, and he's just kind of going, okay, um, here's why you're going to name him Jezreel. It's like, all right, and that's named after the valley, Jezreel, where that massacre took place. And, and these kids are teaching about the grace of God, and you're thinking, that doesn't sound very grace-filled. Well, let's see. Uh, uh, then the, a second child is born in, in verses 6 and 7. And it says, she conceived again and bore a daughter. It doesn't say anywhere in the text that it was Hosea's. And commentators alike um, believe this is very profound because this is when she is starting to live up to um, her life. And so it says, and the Lord said to him, call her name No Mercy. Wow. Her, her, her Hebrew name was Lorahama. And, and no mercy or no pity or not loved. Gee, that's what every little girl dreams about being named, right? Not loved. No mercy. And, and God goes on and he explains why. He says, for I will have no uh, more, uh, I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them from the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by the horses or by horsemen. Now remember, this is at the time when after uh, King Solomon died and we've got the divided kingdom and you've got Israel to the north and Judah to the south and God is just saying, hey, there's no mercy for you up there. Because the messianic king is coming from the line of David down in Judah. And you have been making bad choices and bad choices. Um, there's no mercy for you. It's like, oh, wow, that, that sounds really great. This sounds like a really grace-filled God, right? Like, thanks, Craig. You're really, really uh, um, encouraging us. Well, let's look at the third son, uh, and it says in, in verses 8 and 9, it says, when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. Again, no designation that it was Hosea's. And the Lord said, call his name not my people. Well, if you were wondering or guessing if that possibly was Hosea's or not, Here's a good clue. Here's a good clue. Some people have tried to say that Hosea and Gomer, they weren't real, that it was just a story. No, they were real. 
They were very real. And, and again, they paralleled. They paralleled in God's plan. And he says, and the Lord said, call his name, not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty hard stuff. And I know you're thinking to yourself, well, well, that doesn't seem to be teaching me very good about God's grace, but, but just wait, because we're going to see it, it start to change. We're going to start to see, I had to, I had to take you to see where, where God was, was naming the children and, and, and that's also how he felt toward his people, but then let's look at the future names. So if you look with me in, in chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Then the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. Verse 11, And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together. This is talking about a future, folks. A future time where God is saying, here's the Israelites uh, up, up high in Israel, and here's the Israelites down low in Judah, and you Jewish brothers and sisters are all going to be coming back together. There's a time that's coming. And that time is when they recognize Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that Davidic messianic king that was talked about way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so that's why this is prophecy. And then he goes on in verse 11, And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, Jesus Christ, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Okay. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Say to your brothers, you are my people. And to your sisters, you have received mercy. Remember those names? Not my people? No mercy? Not loved? And, and God's speaking to Hosea to share, oh, there's a time that's coming. You are my people. You are loved and you just kind of look at that and you go wow um that is a god of grace and if you drop down in chapter 2 and you drop down to, to verse 23 you'll find this and again declares the lord and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. See how God's grace changed how he saw Israel? Those three children teach us about the grace of God. And I can't help but think how many of you might have felt as if God's forgotten you or rejected you or doesn't love you. It's just not true. 
because that's what we can learn from through this love story. That he, he hasn't forgotten us. He does have mercy. If we've accepted Jesus, he is our God. And we are his people. Well, next, uh, uh, Dr. Wiersbe brings out, he said, Gomer teaches us about the holiness of God. Here's the holiness of God. And so as we look at that, you've got to be able to to go back into chapter 1 and and look at verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Huh. You know, oh, 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 that's just like, wow. In other translations, it says, go and marry a prostitute. That's in, in the, the Net Bible or the New Living Translation. Or take to yourself a wife of harlotry. That's what the New King James says or the uh, New American Standard. A wife of harlotry. Um, the message is a little more kind of like blunt. Uh, find a whore and marry her. That's just a thought translation. It's not a word for word. But it's like, wow. Okay. Now, there's other Hebrew words that that refer to prostitutes or harlots that are found in, in Hosea, and it's used 22 times. 22 different times in Hosea's prophecy, in chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, and verses 4 and 5, chapter 3, verse 3, chapter 4, verse 10, through 15, and verse 18, in chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 9. And the different uh, uh, English translations, a wife of whoredom, a wife of harlotry, an adulterous wife, a prostitute, or a whore. It's a... You get the picture, right? I don't think I have to spell it out any more than that. But Gomer teaches us about the holiness of God. Because if you look at, at chapter 2, and again, I know this is, this is a tough book because I've got you flipping all around. Just imagine if we were going all over the place in 14 chapters. But in, in chapter 2, and, and, and he, it says, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst upon her children. Also, I have no mercy, because they are children of whoredom. Verse 5, For their mother has played the whore she has conceived them has acted shamefully so not only does does are we learning about idolatry here through through gomer's life but we're also learning about ingratitude ingratitude In in verse 5, the second part of it says, For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, I will hedge up her way with thorns and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. Wow. 
She will pursue her lovers but not overtake them. And they and she shall seek them but shall not find them. Then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil. And who lavished on her silver and gold which they used for Baal. Therefore, I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Man, she was a representative of, of, the, of just the country of Israel, or just the state of Israel. It's like God blessed them with all these things. And they, they just could not and would not Acknowledge that God was the giver of those things instead of false lovers, instead of false gods. They didn't provide Israel with any of those things. And, and yet, it's a similar picture with, with Gomer. I, uh, the last one was hypocrisy. And uh, verses 10 and 11 Just as now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one will rescue her out of my hand and I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts and her new moons, her Sabbaths and all her appointed feasts. Guy's just going, yep. I'm holy. And in my compassion and in my mercy and in my love... Don't ever think that I'm going to sacrifice my holiness. Finally, what does Hosea, what does he come into? Well, Hosea, as the main character in here, you've got the children and Gomer and Hosea. Hosea teaches us about the love of God. As you look at in chapter 2, verses 14, all the way through chapter 3, through verse 5, you, you see these different I wills. I didn't even list all of them. I just listed some of them. God says, I will allure. I will bring you back. I, I, I will give. I'm going to give to you. He says, I, I, will, I will take away. I've got to take away that which is just getting you distracted. I will betroth. He says that three or four times in those two verses, in in verse 19 and 20. And I want to read that because we're talking about a love story. He says, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you will know the Lord. Man, I love that. It's such beautiful writing. God goes on and says, I will answer and respond. And in that day, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. 
and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in that land. That's the part I will plant. I will plant. In the same way that, that God wants Hosea to plant in Gomer. Now, man, I, I, I don't know if, if you guys could do it or not, but, you know, I mean, God's love is promised and God's love is pictured in, 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 in chapter 3, those five verses. Hosea reclaims his estranged wife. He buys her back and brings her home. Now, I, I've got to stop for a second just to go back to, to that first chapter. I mean... Guys, and don't make any kind of hand movements or head nods or anything like that. Because, boy, I, I'll hit you before your wife does. But um, can you imagine if the Lord spoke these words to you? Go take yourself a wife of whoredom. Say what? You want me to do what? It's like, huh? And, and he... And he Goes on, he says, for the land commits uh, and have children of whoredom. That means, and you're going to have kids that aren't yours. Now, some people, commentators say, oh, well, yeah, she was probably already a, a, a prostitute or a loose woman. Others, uh, I believe she wasn't. I don't think she was. Because when I think about from the time when, when God's people and God made his covenant with them, they weren't perfect, I know that, but at that point when he made that covenant, it's like, okay, we're starting fresh, we're here, here we go. And then it was after that when it went downhill. And, and I think within here, it's a great illustration and picture of, of just trying to be able to remind them, hey, um, your life is not going to be easy. But trust me. Trust me. We have no idea how long this period went. We do know it went at least long enough for them to uh, start a family. And at some point, some people say this is many years. She could have had the first son, Jezreel, and said, I'm out of here. And then uh, had, had another one and, and the daughter. And then uh, sometime later, had another son. And then um, we get the idea and the picture throughout this scripture as we read more that she was with other lovers and she was like, okay, who's going to take care of me? I, I just got to gotta make sure, okay, you're going to take care of me. You're going to give me food. You're going to give me wine. You're, you're going to give me a place to sleep. And she was just kind of like, that's kind of the definition of harlot, a whore. And, and yet when we see in chapter 3 this incredible, incredible picture, and the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Verse 2, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer of lettuce of barley. And I said to her, so you got to understand this. Not only is God instructing him, yeah, you need to go get her back, but you got to pay for her. 
I mean, there's certain things where you got to kind of like, I draw the line, right? I got to pay my wife to come back who chose to leave me and to sleep around and, and to be with all kinds of others. You got to be kidding me, God. Thank goodness that's not in Scripture. That's just a Cooper interpretation of what he possibly was feeling. But he followed through. There are things in our lives that God is calling us to do that aren't easy. They're not. But God's calling for our obedience. Our obedience. That's a tough thing. You don't know my situation, Craig. I, I don't have to. God does. I can just know from Scripture that, that man, this one. He says, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. I think that's some pretty amazing stuff. And, and if you want, and, and even to kind of just set us on up for, for the, the next song that our worship team's doing, check out chapter 11. You want to read more about God's love? Read it as a father. I was so torn between which one to kind of concentrate on. Read it as a father. The father's love for his son, for Israel. That word Ephraim, that's another word, another title for Israel. And you're going to go, wow. You can't, it can't get any better than that. He is not just a good father. He's the best father that any of us could, could ever hope for. I close with this uh, last quote from Heschel. The relationship between God and Israel conceived by Hosea in terms of marital love, desertion, and the hope of a new betrothal calls not only for right action, but also for a feeling for each other on the part of those involved. The relationship between God and Israel conceived by Hosea in the terms of that marital love desertion and, and hope of a new betrothal calls not only for right action but also for a feeling for each other don't be afraid that it's okay to say we're feeling we saw in the video and, and if you see the words um, there, there's different words death and, and as well as yada those mean to know but see you can know who somebody was from history because you've read them. George Washington was the first president. But you don't know him. This is a combination of knowing with our minds but feeling with our hearts. Don't ever try to separate those. 
like one's more important than the other. They both in combination. Let's pray.